Search engines like Google made it easier to explore the sheer volume of information available on the web. Amazon and eBay turned their corner of the internet into a one-stop shop. It was during the second wave that social networking came of age, too. Where Google sought to organize the internet's information, social networks let us organize ourselves and attracted a billion users. And it was during the second wave that Apple introduced the iPhone, Google introduced Android, and a mobile movement was born. This convergence supercharged the second wave, as smartphones and tablets became the engines of the new internet, creating an economy that would populate the world with millions of mobile applications. The second wave has been largely defined by software as a service. Social apps like Twitter and Instagram that make sharing ideas and photos easier or traffic apps like Waze, which weren't practical without ubiquitous mobile connectivity. And while the most successful of these companies all dealt with unique obstacles to climb to the pole position, they also have a great deal in common. First, their products are, practically speaking, infinitely scalable. Coping with new users is usually as simple as adding more server capacity and hiring more engineers. And second, the products themselves, the apps, tend to be infinitely replicable. Nothing has to be manufactured. Today, the second wave is starting to give way to something new. Decades from now, when historians write the story of technological evolution, they will argue that the moment the Internet became a ubiquitous force in the world was when we started integrating it into everything we did. This moment is the beginning of the third wave. The third wave is the era when the Internet stops belonging to Internet companies. It is the era in which products will require the Internet, even if the Internet doesn't define them. It is the era when the term Internet-enabled will start to sound as ludicrous as the term electricity-enabled, as if either were notable differentiators. It is the era when the concept of the Internet of Things, of adding connected sensors to products, will be viewed as too limiting because we'll realize that what's really emerging is the much broader Internet of Everything. The entrepreneurs of this era are going to challenge the biggest industries in the world and those that most affect our daily lives. They will reimagine our healthcare system and retool our education system. They will create products and services that make our food safer and our commute to work easier. But if this new generation of entrepreneurs is to succeed, The playbook from the second wave won't do. Third wave company creation stories are less likely to begin with dorm-inspired apps that go viral, as they often did in the second wave. Third wave entrepreneurs will need to build partnerships across sectors in a way that second wave companies never had to. They will need to navigate a policy landscape that most second wave companies could ignore. And they will need to do it all in a space where the barriers to entry even for a worthy idea, are far greater than anything experienced in the second wave. The playbook they need, instead, is the one that worked during the first wave, when the Internet was still young and skepticism was still high, when the barriers to entry were enormous and when partnerships were a necessity to reaching your customers, when the regulatory system was coming to grips with a new reality and struggling to figure out the appropriate path forward. I am writing this book today because we are living at a pivotal point in history, and I want to offer whatever perspective I can to ensure a bright future. I'm writing this because the history of the first wave has become increasingly important as a way to think about this future.
how we plan for it, adapt to it, and seize upon its opportunity. And yet much of that story, including my own, remains untold. I come to this from a variety of perspectives, as a startup entrepreneur, but with experience at a big company, as someone who's never served full-time in government, but has worked in and around government. I come to this as both an investor and an advocate, and as someone who gets Silicon Valley, but was never of Silicon Valley. And so I aim to accomplish several things in this book. I want to tell you the story of how the consumer internet was born and how close companies like AOL came to not making it. I want to share my candid memories from behind the scenes, the details from a roller coaster ride few have experienced. I want to tell you what it was like at the very top and give you a view from the boardroom on the way down. But I don't want to do any of that in a vacuum.